Hey, it's in a book. Welcome back. I am Lawrence Rouse. I am in Raleigh, North Carolina. I am upstairs uh, rather than down in my office, so you may or may not hear the wonderful sounds of the Rouse clan and Andy Manny in the background. We'll try and limit that. Um, our interview uh, this week uh, is with my sister-in-law. Uh, her name is Kim Katie. And as well, we'll be uh, sort of talking to her right here at the outset of the show uh, about some, uh, some things. Uh, she's been one of our loyal listeners so far, and uh, she's had some ideas about uh, ways to uh, improve the show. So I called her up, and we started talking about those things um, when she came over a couple of days after the call. So this is uh, this is what it sounded like. Hey. Hello. I, I wasn't sure you were gonna answer the phone. Well, who's my partner? Because I just like we just had that whole conversation and I forgot to hit the record button. Uh huh. No. No. <laughs> I, I figured. So, can you, can you do something about all that noise in the background? Yeah. I'll be talking to you tomorrow. Okay. What's, what's the difference between tomorrow and right now, then? Um, well, we're on the phone. <laughs> and it's 9.55 a.m. on Sunday morning? Yeah. Okay. And, you know, I haven't brushed my teeth or, you know, I'm just not. But we can talk about it. I, what does brushing your teeth have to do with being on the phone? Just, just because I don't I'm know. I don't know. It'll it'll just be different when we're face to face. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, um, I guess that's it then. Um, we I'll I'll see you tomorrow and uh, and we'll record the interview and we'll talk about uh, some of the changes that, that uh, you talked about. We'll talk about that idea that I told you about. What, what did I say? But, Strangers and fiction. So like a, a quick segment. But, yeah. Crazy things that people see around Raleigh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we'll get. They, they relate. To I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, okay, goodbye. but hey, Dexter has something to tell you. Hey, what do you have to tell me, Dexter? Okay. The butt smells. <laughs> Did you hear him? <laughs> I heard him, but I didn't understand it. What did he
So sure enough, Kim did come over the next day, or maybe it was the day after, and we sat down at our dining room table, mine and Kristen's, and discussed some of the proposed changes she had suggested for the podcast. You will hear those in the next segment, and of course, since this is a podcast about books, Kim brought one with her. It is The Sinner Cannot Hold by Ellen R. Sachs. It will be the book for this fortnight, and you will hear Kim and her sister read selections from it at the end of this podcast. So, uh, thanks for coming back to, uh, to listen in for yet another fortnight. It's in a book. We'll see you after the break. So, welcome uh, back to It's in a Book. I am sitting in my dining room slash office, uh, which is normally downstairs, but we have a very special treat for you tonight. Uh, my sister-in-law, who's Miss Bossy Pants, and thought she could offer some wonderful input for the podcast, and, and so far it, it, that has been the case, is sitting across from me, not making very much noise at all, Unlike the uh, the phone call the other night, uh, I guess I guess it was the other morning. You can you can say something at any moment. Yeah, it was the other morning, but you <laughs> you accused me of not speaking enough then either. Right, right, because you were quiet. So now that we've heard your voice, now that you've said something, um, we we assume that you can talk. So at any rate, um, Kim has has been um, has been one of our uh, fairly loyal listeners. She's listened to almost every podcast so far. And she has some uh, some pretty good suggestions for the show. We've been talking about them over the past couple of weeks, so she is here tonight to uh, to talk about those. And then we're gonna do uh, a quick interview and talk about the book that is currently right underneath her pink iPhone. So, <laughs> do they they don't make a pink iPhone? It's just a cover, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. So, um, first of all, what's that book you have there? Oh, it's uh, The Center Cannot Hold. The Center Cannot by Hold. Ellen Sachs. By Ellen Sachs. Now, did she come up with that phrase? Isn't that like from like T.S. Eliot or, or some some English poet? Um, probably. I mean, she, she. I wouldn't really say she was a literary person. She studied law, but I mean, she's like a genius. So right. Right. It, it could have been. Yeah, I bet it is. I, I, I don't. I'm pretty certain it's not T.S. Eliot, but uh, I think uh, there's some British poet with, for for whom that line is famous. She doesn't discuss it in the book. She may, but it's been about five years since I read the book. Right. Although I have reviewed it, and I can speak about it. Of course. Well, I mean, I, I speak about books I read five years ago. Okay. So. But uh, what was I going to say? Um, obviously, it was really good, though, because it, it stayed with you all this time, and, and yeah. you want to talk about it for your interview. Tonight, right, right, right. Yeah, okay. definitely. Okay, good, good. I don't know. You, you think the mic is picking up cat breathing? I have no idea. Yeah, I, I can't hear her. I can't hear her. 
You really? Can't. Not really. If you hear strange breathing sounds, it, <laughs> it's neither one of us. I am wearing, do you know what this thing is called? I just call it a wrap. I'm wearing a wrap. Uh, With a baby which, in it. <laughs> in which a baby is uh, is resting against my chest. Um, so, okay, so let's let's talk about uh, some of the changes that uh, that you thought might benefit the bo- podcast, might, might get some... Uh, some more folks listening or maybe help people listen to the whole thing okay. being that they're kind of long right now so so tell me about some of these things okay so three three major things right 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 one length <laughs> i think you need to cut it in half in half yeah so it's lately it's been about 90 minutes so you're saying 45 minutes total even so i was gonna go 30 minutes <laughs> but i i guess if you if if you need to do, yeah, 45 will, 45 will be good. Okay. Now, that 90 minutes is based on my commute. I drive uh, to Fayetteville from Raleigh every day. And so it, it's kind of nice for me every couple of weeks to drive all the way to Fayetteville listening to the sound of my own voice as opposed to Ira Glass or... Uh, or uh, have you listened to um, How to Do Everything yet? Not yet. Okay. There's this awesome podcast out there called How to Do Everything. They're very short. They're, they're about 30 minutes long. Which is why you need to listen to it um, okay. sometime soon. But at any rate, so length. So you're thinking 30 length. minutes. Yeah, because um, a lot of people, I think most people in the car, I mean, a lot of people do listen to NPR, but most people want to listen to music. Right, right. So, like for me, I'll listen to your podcast while I'm working. Right. Pretty often. Or people will just play it on their computer while they're doing something else right. you know kind of like background yeah noise. yeah right okay well we're gonna take that one under consideration well and okay what we talked about was was kind of uh an, an onomatopoeic thing so we can discussed discussing these things and, and then instituting them in this particular podcast uh, we've already been talking for five minutes now so we're gonna have to really watch the link thing we really are we really are but we only um, have 45 minutes <laughs> we only have 45 minutes so um we uh, talked about instituting some of the changes in this particular episode so uh, that was one what's the other okay another the other second it's second. gonna be it's gonna be hard <laughs> to institute some of these. But the, the other was the subject matter, the books that you're choosing. Okay, so we, we're going to argue about this one for a second. Um, I, I uh, sent Kim a text message the other day, and I, I can't remember the, the context of the whole thing, but basically... I told her that, uh, you know, her taste in books uh, sucks compared to my own. And she responded with something like, sure, if you're a 75-year-old white man, do you remember this text? You said something about that you choose classics. You do choose classics. Right, right. Great books. And I said, sure, if you're a 75-year-old white man. Right, right. So... I would love to hear from anyone who's listened to the podcast, even one episode. Um, if you've grabbed my business card from uh, from any of your favorite uh, coffee haunts, you should see the email address uh, along the bottom of the card. Uh, if you're listening right now, it's interviewme at oakcityreads.com. Email us about the, the books we've chosen so far and, uh, and let us know. I personally have chosen them, you know, because I've read each and every one of them and mm-hmm. I thought they were really, really good. and, and uh, each of them kind of affected me in some way, each of the books that we've discussed so far. Um, and I think everyone, you know, feels that way about the books that they've, they've read. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, they've, they've kind of been boring to you. A little. A little. <laughs> A little bit. 
Okay, okay. Well, that one we're going to have to work on. I'll have to work on trying to choose the most exciting of the books that I've uh, that I've read. Although American Desert, if you read it, is not only exciting but hilarious. I mean, it's about a guy whose head is severed from his body and awakens at his funeral. I don't know if you, maybe you haven't heard that one yet. I don't, see, I don't know about that. I mean, you've given me some good suggestions before. One of my favorite books I've ever read you suggested. Oh, right. Homegirl, Home right? Yeah. Right. Well, maybe we'll yeah. do that one for the podcast. Well, I decided tonight that I'm going to have to find the woman in that book so I can adapt it to a screenplay. Oh, yeah? But that's, but that's another, that's another <laughs> podcast. Okay, okay. Yeah, Kim uh, just stopped by the house after attending a screenwriting seminar yeah something like that yeah it was like a lecture right it was it was it at quill ridge books or no it was at the library oh, camera village, village library Cameron yeah cool cool sweet yeah all right so that's two you so said there were three major ones the, the third, third one is conflict conflict so the best podcast that you've had i thought in my opinion was the one where you and kissy Kristen, my AKA wife. A.K.A. Kristen. <laughs> my beautiful uh, wife. Argued about James Fry. Right. A million little pieces of bullshit. Right. Oh, I, I mean a million little pieces. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. It was just the most interesting to listen to because you both had uh, opposing views on the book. Right. And I really enjoyed her reading it because I like the book. But that, I know that's a matter of opinion. But Right. Right. No accounting for taste, I suppose. I guess. So, um, I, I've actually heard like three or four people, um, you know, including some of the, some of the guys at work. I, I work with a bunch of a uh, bunch of barrel-chested freedom fighters, uh, and uh, and they told me that they really enjoyed that podcast too. Mm-hmm. I, I think two or three of them just like you know listening to my wife spout profanities from uh, <laughs> from James mm-hmm. Fry's book. Yeah, she's, she's just like you know. Oh, maybe that was it. Swear words every few. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I, I agree, you know, I mean, like, that's what that's what drives the literature is, uh, is conflict, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's this really awesome quote about uh, about conflict. Oh, God, I wish I could remember. Where's, where's Will Badger when you need him? Um, it, I'm, I'm sure it's by some famous author, but it, it pretty much sums up, like, every conflict that you come across in a novel in, in like, just a few words. Um, I'm going to have to look that up and get back to you on yeah, it. Yeah, I'd be interested in that. Yeah, it's really awesome. Um, I'll, I'll call him. Okay. He's probably on the way to Poland right now. I hope I can see him on the air. So maybe I'll edit that out. I mean, it's not like he's on some secret mission or whatever. He's, no. He's, yeah, he's a student. So, okay. So, um, conflict, length. We're uh, we're almost at 10 minutes on this intro. That's fine. We're good. We're good. Okay. And uh, and what's the other? Um, uh, just more. Better books. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. I, I hate to even use this word, but trendier books. Trendier books. We'll see. Okay. Now, so I got. We got to. Uh, here's some. But you know what I'm you. talking about. I do know what you're talking about. But here's the thing. Like, I feel like there's so many places where people can go for something like that. Mm-hmm. And I don't. I, I've always felt like Arthur's should be like more heroic in in our society. I mean, like, mm-hmm. I, I think part of the reason why they why they write anyway is that they, you know. <sighs> are heroic after a fashion but they've never you know that's not a niche that they've that they've ever filled um, in their personal experience and so they they write about heroes and and you know in, in some sense become heroes yeah um, through writing but I just feel like okay so we we worship athletes we worship politicians we worship 
you know, the, the Prince of Wales, for Christ's sake, you know, even though we declared our independence from them like so long ago. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Arthurs are, are like worthy of, of a little more recognition and, and uh, you know, worship insofar as, as you know, that's a, a good thing to do at all. Um, so I've tried to choose like Arthurs who I feel like have written like these really wonderful books that are that have, haven't ever gotten you know yeah. all the acclaim that they might otherwise get yeah. so that one I'm, I'm gonna push back a little bit on because i feel like there's anywhere i mean there, there are any number of places you can go for something like that you know so plus sometimes like being obscure and uh and and you know uh, unheard of is, is kind of cool you know I, well i think being a being a writer i mean kissy can talk about this a lot but being a writer, you have to be prepared that the people you're writing about or the characters you're writing about are the, are the famous ones. Right. You know. But it's all your thoughts, though. I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like. Yeah. But but not everybody can be Stephen King and, and you know. James Fry. Exactly. <laughs> Fry, whatever his name is. Yeah. Uh, granted, but I, I Or mean, like George I just, Lucas, even. You know, right. I know he's not really... He's, he's kind of a writer, I mean, he's, or, or yeah. Jay-Z. He's got a cool uh, line in his latest album. I think he says, uh, the best writer record recording, something like that. Oh, <laughs> okay. We're getting into some more, yeah. into some Jay-Z yeah. conflict now. Um, that, that's a good line, the best writer recording. Um, so, but yes, yes, it, right. Everyone can't be famous. Everyone, you know, every writer isn't trendy, but I, I've kind of chosen some of the books that I've chosen with an eye toward shining a light on some authors who are really really good and mm -hmm. who have written like some really meaningful in my opinion uh, books that i think people should hear about so i'm, I'm gonna push back on that one and we'll think about it so, that's fair that's fair it's your that's gig fair. it's my gig i guess so okay so um let's see i guess uh, i guess uh, and what else you got oh you know what we talked about um i was driving um down 440 on the way home the other day and I saw mm -hmm. what I thought was something uh, really interesting. There was uh, a gentleman, uh, gosh, if, if he listens to this, he may come after me. Uh, <laughs> he was driving like this uh, Chevy car SUV thing um, and there was a sticker in the window and it said, Passion Parties by Tyrone. <laughs> so, uh, you know, send us an email if you've seen Tyrone or, or if you've had a passion party by him. But Typically, you know, that's the provenance of, uh, of, of women, you know, to throw the passion parties right. for their girlfriends yeah. or whatever. And I, yeah. I thought that was really interesting. Uh, and so I thought about uh, a, a tiny segment called Stranger Than Fiction. Oh, yeah, yeah. I liked, I liked that idea. Right. Where, now, this would depend on you, though, the people of Raleigh, to, uh, you know, whenever you see something really strange and interesting like that, maybe uh, send us an email or, or give me a call and, and leave a message. And uh, we could bring it up on the show and talk about, you know, how it relates to literature in some way. For example, um, the idea of Passion Parties by Tyrone, uh, outside of any Erica Badu connection, um, since that's music and not literature, brought to mind, uh, to me, the, the genre of, uh, you know, it, it was popular popularized in the 70s. And I think most of the people, uh, correction, some of the people um, who, who read it today aren't super familiar with uh, like Sam Greenlee he wrote uh, the spook who sat beside the door and there's another really famous guy whose name I can't remember right this second but it was uh, it was African-American literature black literature 
um, written from like a, a sort of gritty ghetto perspective, mm -hmm. and and it's become popular again now um, with with a new generation of, of writers, and, and uh, so it just kind of rem reminded me of, of uh, something, um, you know, from one of those books. Like I, I could just see it. Uh, <laughs> in one of those novels, you know, like a passion yeah. party by Tyrone, just just going awry or whatever, you know, with with uh, all sorts of hygiene. I think a, an Arthur could really have fun with that. Um, so, but that's that's another segment uh, we talked about. I think. That would be a comedy. Yeah, yeah. I, well, some some of those books are, are fairly comedic, uh, intentional or not. Um, so, but I, I mean, something like that. I hope I could probably limit to like three or four minutes. Um, you know. Yeah. So. I, I like that idea. Yeah. What else you got? Oh, um, well, I think just the bumper sticker thing. Yeah, I think yeah. that's what led you to the Tyrone. Right, right. Yeah, because uh, Kim um, talked about um, some bumper stickers to just kind of get the word out about the podcast, too. I think she's going to help me uh, design one or, or uh, maybe, uh, you know, do something based on the business card you may or may not have seen. Uh, around your your favorite coffee haunts out there, um, so look for those on the back of about three or four cars. <laughs> <laughs> you should be able to find us eventually, um, and, and maybe we'll recruit some other people to to wear them or to put them yeah. in their vehicles. You can do so. the same thing you did with the business card and just leave a stack of them in the coffee shop. Yeah, that's true. Or yeah. I could just like just be a, a podcast terrorist and just put them on people's bumper. Or you could just you could just vandalize Raleigh and just put them everywhere. Put them on, yeah, kind of like, like the, everybody uh, else does. Yeah, remember who? Remember the guy with like that stencil? It was all over yeah. Raleigh. It was just before I left and, uh, and moved out west for a while. So yeah, that was pretty awesome. Stencil. Let's do that. Oh, we can make a stencil. We can make a stencil. It's in a book stencil, coming to a blank wall near you. Although <laughs> that's kind of incriminating. Yeah, I, they, <laughs> it like does the police have face would on show it. right up at my door, yeah. and they'd be like, uh, "Mr. Rouse, about this stencil." And you'll say, "I don't know who did that." I, who, I, stencil? I don't. I don't even know what paint is. You'll see my. You'll say my sister-in-law's a graphic designer. But that, I don't that's know exactly that. what I would say. I would send them right over to your house. So, all right. Well, we are at 17 minutes now. That's uh, well. Yeah, see? we're almost halfway there. No, but we're good. This is just the right amount of time. Just the right amount of time. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, um, this is, of course, it's in a book podcast. Um, I promise we're going to talk about books this episode, um, but we wanted to talk about uh, this episode first. So um, we will see you after the break. Um, Kim is going to conduct a quick interview, which will have to be pretty short, considering we don't have a lot of time left, and mm -hmm. you still have to read from the center cannot hold or will not hold the center cannot hold the center cannot hold so um we will be right back after the break with uh with kim's interview uh it's in a book thanks for uh listening this fortnight to see what it is see you after the break okay so our interview this fortnight is with Kim Holmes Katie. She is my sister-in-law. How do I look? <laughs> you look great. Um, Thanks. Now that you've brushed your teeth, you can talk, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, okay. So, uh, Kim is going to quickly tell us a little bit about herself, and then we're going to ask her five questions about books. So, have at it. You didn't say I had to talk about myself. Um, get to it. 
please. Tell us what you do. Tell us what you do. Oh, uh, software design at IBM. Been doing that for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just a designer in general. That's why I take your right. uh, take your suggestions uh, as important. I mean, everything that the human beings do uh, was designed at some point, right? Yeah. 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 Um, and you're you're blonde, so you're kind of Swedish, you know, the whole IKEA connection, like that. The best designers on the planet. Scandinavian. Scandinavian, right, right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that part of the world, they they really they really know design over there. So. Right. All right. So you're just gonna tell us you're a designer. What? You're like 50, mm, right? Shut up. <laughs> I don't want to talk about how old I am. I, well, you okay? We won't talk about. It. Kim is definitely not 50. No. Um, so. Um, and, and it's so impolite to talk about a woman's age, so I was just trying to fill some space and she's over there being quiet. So forget about that. Let's, uh, you're going to say something? I'm 41. <laughs> you, you're a great looking 41. Thank you. She looks great, guys. And uh, um, so, okay, here we go. You ready for these five questions? Yes. All right, all right. It's a busy world these days. How do you find the time to read? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> that's a good question because I'm extremely lazy <laughs> and I'll procrastinate to the very last millisecond right. of anything. Well, I mean, but you don't have to, reading is something you do for for yourself, I know. Right? I so. guess that's what it is. If, if I'm like really, really curious about something, mm-hmm. then I'll just start reading it no matter what, you know? Right. And I'll, I do it sometimes at night in bed. I like to read. Um, but it's got to be something that I'm really interested really in. Really interested in. Yeah, like I can't just sit and read The Invisible Man like you. You know, <laughs> it's not gonna happen. Right. Well, I'll, I'll just tell you very quickly that Kristen and Kim are into like these weird um, books about like people who've gotten a lobotomy, or you know, like uh, what happened at Jamestown, like anything this this human and strange that someone has written a book about. They've probably read it or intend that, to. Why is it that strange? I, it's just human. I don't know. I'd much rather read a novel than read about a bunch of people offing themselves with purple Kool-Aid. Um, I no, I like novels. <laughs> I like novels too. Yeah. Well, you guys are definitely into the the biographical, yeah, autobiographical yeah, we are. We madness, are. though. So. Yeah, we're into the memoirs. <laughs> yes, the <laughs> memoirs. So, all right. How do you uh, decide what to read? Well, like I said, I just have to be super interested in it, and well, my sister and I, we're really into memoirs, (laughs) and um, biographies, uh, can even be autobiography a lot of times, and um, I don't know, I'm just always really curious about people who push the boundaries of society. Right. Um, Or who live at them. Like the, the, like you know, kid who, whose parents tried to turn him into a girl because of like that yeah. botched circumcision. I think that's yeah. the title you, you guys knocked out recently. I didn't get to that one yet, but I did see a documentary about that guy. Right, girl. poor guy. Yeah, and um, I'm also I don't know anything about mental illness, which is what this book is about, or um, sociopaths. Stuff like that, right. you know, um, Strange. I don't know. It's just, it's just interesting. But it's also about. Sometimes it's about people overcoming 
things, which is right. That's know, always, always good. Yeah, yeah. Well, even the Jonestown right. book. Was, yeah, it was written by some guy who didn't drink the Kool Aid or something like that. Right? Well, no, it was written by a girl who just like studied um, documentation on it. But you know, some people actually survive that mess, right. Right. which is crazy. Yeah, which is um, crazy. Yeah, so, yeah. Immune to Kool Aid. Okay, so um. Talk a little bit about books as objects. How many do you have? Do you prefer paper or digital? Mm. I know you guys, or I think you got. Do you guys have a Kindle or some sort of no, reader at your house? I've never read a book on a device. No. No. Right. I haven't made the plunge yet. I like to have the physical object in my hand. Cat's waking up. Yeah. Yeah. She's gonna make her little horsey sounds. Yeah. She's gonna make <laughs> her church lady faces. <laughs> All right. So. Um, well, like, I know you and Mac are, like, really, like, somewhat into minimalism. Um, you guys don't keep a, a bunch of stuff around, like... Really. Uh, compared to you guys and your A&E Hoarders episode in here? Yeah. <laughs> um, compared to us or whatever. I mean, like, I've seen you guys, like, get rid of books at a yard sale or whatever. All right, we're going to have to stop very quickly, and I'm going to take this... Beautiful little girl who's about to start screaming to her mother. We'll be right back. Oh, baby. Okay, so we're back. Uh, Catherine, my daughter, has uh, has just been removed from the room for, for being raucous. And Kim was telling us about her paper versus digital experience. And I said paper. Paper. Okay. Okay. We'll just... just Keep it at that, just nice and simple. Yeah, I can. Well, you know, I can get rid of a book if I don't care about it. Like if I don't have any emotional connection to it. Right. It's flush it. Yeah. Right. Right. Cold blooded. Yeah. Cold blooded. Yeah. All right. So, um, how do you decide what to read? We already talked about. Talk about. Um, okay. Here we go. What's your favorite book of all time and why? <sighs> Everybody hates this question, including me. But do yeah. it. Make it happen. Let's go. Well, when I was a kid, I read The Catcher in the Rye, which I know I just gave you a hard time about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still haven't read it. Are you talking? How can you not have read that? You know, first of all, that word is offensive to some people. <laughs> Second of all, I I've started it like a bunch of times. I think I've probably read like 20 or 30 pages at any given time. But it just... I don't know. Like I, the kids, kind of smart me. I'd probably rough him up a little bit if he were talking to me like he like he reads. You know, I'd be like, "What's your problem, boy?" No, no. Well, I think it, too. It's like at the time that you read a book, right? Because you know, in high school, you're like so impressionable, right? You're kind of smarmy yourself, and, yeah. you, and you haven't yet realized that you know nothing when you believe that you know everything. Yeah, and that book, I don't know. It, it just it really did make a big impact on me right right a lot of stuff that i read as a, as a kid yeah made a big impact yeah. for sure i would have to agree um, now it's like it's like we're so desensitized to everything it's, right. you know that's so whatever. wrong though i man, i can still get so up in arms about a novel your sister and i have some of the biggest fights that we have about books like freedom by jonathan brandon we have gotten into like serious arguments about that book so, yeah, I don't think I can ever be desensitized against literature, so. Okay, well, that's good for you. Yeah, good for me. Yeah. So, favorite book of all time and why? Don't don't duck the, the question. Catching the Rock? Yeah, I guess I would have to say that. Okay. I but, I, but I really do think it was because I was like, I don't know, 
14. Right, or right. When you read, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, he it's a was, classic. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. And it's he part was. Of the, the American literary canon. It is. And it's not. It, it's timeless. Like you're reading it and it could be today. Right, right. I'm going to finish it one day. I think just in stages, you know. Mm-hmm. So maybe now I'll go back and, and read 20 more pages. It's, it's pretty short, right? What is it, like 90, yeah. some, 100 some pages? Yeah, it's not. It's not. Right. It's not long. a big read. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Last question is, what are you reading right now? So we're going to talk about The Center Cannot Hold, and you're going to tell me uh, about the other stuff you're reading right now first, I guess. What are you reading right now? Um, I'm reading uh, Let's Discuss Diabetes with Alice. <laughs> right by uh, by David Sedaris. Yeah, and you know, reading David Sedaris is great because I can just keep it next to my bed and pick it up. And right, put it down right, and put it down. And do other stuff and pick it up again and laugh and then put it down again. And that's kind of what I've been doing. Now. He's awesome. He's hilarious. Uh, he's been hosting uh, selected shorts uh, by NPR recently. Has he? Yeah, like I mean. I can never tell like when the episodes were recorded or, or produced or whatever because sometimes the readings will be really old, mm-hmm. but the the uh, narration or the host you know is more recent or whatever. So I think I listened um, over the past few months to several episodes that he was the host of the of the whole show or whatever, mm-hmm. um, and and he's really funny. Um, and you saw his sister recently, right? Amy and uh, Couple Joe, like a couple of times recently, right? Yeah, I've seen her a couple of times in Couple Joe, and I talked to her once. Did you? Yeah, she was nice. Yeah. I, got, I got her autograph. Awesome. In one of your books? Did you have one of your books? No, yeah. but I have his autograph in one of his books. Really? Mm-hmm. Where, where'd you get nab, nab that? At Quail Ridge. At but Ridge I stood books. in line for three hours. Oh, wow. And they just, like, shoot us. Right. Shoot me through the line, and I was just, like, trying to talk really fast. And then, you know, blah, 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 and then I was gone. As opposed to <laughs> my experience with Joyce Carol Oates at Quill Ridge Books, whereby I only stood in line for a few minutes, and she and I had a very quick, you know, but could have been longer conversation. Okay, I don't know who that is. <laughs> exactly. But everybody That's knows why I who choose the books David Sedaris is. <laughs> and everyone should know who Joyce Carol Oates is. Did you she know? is an American hero. So. Okay. That, uh, that sounds like a great experience. Follow her on Twitter. David and I went to the same elementary school. And we lived in the same neighborhood as kids. Right, right. So it's really interesting to read his books where he's talking about being a kid. Right, Raleigh. right. And it's stuff that you've done and places yeah. that you've been. That That yeah. is interesting. I, yeah. I wasn't a kid in Raleigh, but I've been to a lot of those places now. And, and to hear him talk about those places or whatever is pretty mm-hmm. awesome. And, and his reading voice is, uh, is uh, you know, pretty singular as well. Yeah. You said his brother has that voice, his hard, the, the yeah. hardwood guy? Uh, I think so. The rooster. The rooster. Yeah. 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 Pete <laughs> informed me of the rooster thing. Were you aware of that before Pete? Uh, yeah. It's in, it's in, well, he talks about his younger brother in some of his books. Right. I knew a kid named Rooster, too. It wasn't, he wasn't called the rooster. He was just called Rooster um, just because he was a, a bit of a strutter. But he, he should have been. He was, a, he was a high school kid. And his name was Anthony Pridgen. He was like... About six two, you wow. know, solid muscle quarterback, you know, uh, great basketball player. Just, yeah. You know, like he was, he was like a man while the rest of us were, were still boys, like we, like way too early, you mm-hmm. know. Or I mean, it, it was convenient for him at the time, but <laughs> but you know, he was definitely like a, a prodigy. Um, so, all right. So, what else are you read? Uh, let's see. What have I read recently? Well, I read the. Um, the one about Jim Jones. Of course. Kool-Aid. <laughs> what, what's it called? 
Oh my god. Kool-Aid. Now I can't remember what it's called. Who cares? <laughs> no, it was really good. And also the Jesus Land, the, the same right. author of the girl who wrote the book about Jonestown wrote a memoir. Memoir. Um called Jesus Land and that was excellent. Right, right. Um, and and that was about her strange religious experience as a child. Yeah. The travails yeah. of uh, of uh, you know Yeah. Religiosity. Well as, and her brother. Right. Did Kissy take yeah, doesn't he? Doesn't he? Yeah. No, he died. Okay. But anyway, that was a really good book. Right. Right. That's what I've been up to recently, I guess. Okay. Well, let's talk about the uh, the center cannot hold, which you will be reading for this episode. Tell me about it. Okay, so Ellen Sachs is. I mean, she's pretty much a genius. She went to undergrad at Vanderbilt. She went to grad school at Oxford. And awesome. she went to law school at Yale. Wow. And she's a lawyer. All right. Fine um, pedigree there. Huh? Yeah. Curriculum vitae, whatever. Yeah. So the the crazy, well, literally the crazy thing is she did. Stop all, bumping that table. Sorry. Sorry, I bumped the table. <laughs> um, she did all of that while battling schizophrenia. Wow. Um, Makes me feel great about myself. Yeah. Well, <laughs> she, I mean, she, she's like, she would literally. But she's never shot anybody in the face. <laughs> did you just say that? Yeah, I did. Keep going. <laughs> um, <laughs> she, she literally lived at, in the hospital and would go to class from the hospital and then wow. go back. <laughs> that is impressive. Yeah. Way more impressive than shooting someone in the face. Oh, like, impressive. It's amazing, and, and so. I'm talking about this really good book. Go, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um. So she's she's in the hospital, like she, so between belts of uh, of you know outbreaks of her of her uh-huh. schizophrenia, she's like com- competing like every degree known to man and woman. Pretty much. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know, there's times. Pretty much, she stays in psychosis mm-hmm. the her, through her whole education. Wow! But there are times that mm-hmm. she kind of comes out of it mm-hmm. a little bit, and um, uh, you know, she she tries meds, and um, you know, she talks about the importance of getting the right concoction to work for you. You know, right? The right the right mixture of meds, because it's usually not just one pill. Maybe it's you know, a few di- different things that she had to try, and then she had to learn to stay on the medication. And so now she's, 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 I think she still probably has bad days. Right. But, you know, she's married and she, like, leads a normal life. Right. So and, she's coping now. Yeah. And probably making, like, buku money in addition to selling books because she's practicing law and teaching and doing yeah. whatever else you do with all those degrees. She teaches and she practices law um, in the mental health field. But um, it, it's really interesting because it also goes over the, the types of therapy that uh, basically saved her. And it talks right. about the doctors who, who saved her life. Right. And Go doctors. Go yeah, Ellen. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's kind of a badass. Kind of a hero. <laughs> Definitely a hero. Right. Yeah. Right. I can buy that. She sounds like a hero. Yeah. It, it's really. Ellen Sachs, you're my hero. She is, and if you're if you're interested in learning more about Ellen, she did uh, a TED Talks. Really? Yeah, and I watched it last night. It's really good. It's like ten minutes. Right. Are those um, all videos? I thought they were like some sort of audio deal. So it, they're videos. They're videos. Right. I, I mean, I know they're available as audio. Yeah. Video. Yeah. 
Yeah. Kara talked about TED Talks. Uh, when I interviewed her a few weeks ago. It's, it's probably been about a month now. So. I think anybody who does that has to be a badass. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Right. I agree. So, yeah. Is it, I, even though I've never seen it. But it sounds like, I mean, you too. TED Talks. I mean, you got to be a badass, right? You too. I'll check it out. I'll check it out. All right. Well, in the interest of uh, not going crazy here on length, uh, we've been recording for about 35 minutes now, um, some of which will be edited, but most of it will stay. Um, so I don't know if we're going to make uh, 45 minutes. See, this is the perfect This was the perfect time. I'll read. By the time I'm done reading, right. we'll, we're going to do it right on. Uh, no, you're reading for at least 20 minutes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, but it'll be under an hour. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to play it back. Yeah, and I'm going to have to find something else to listen to for the half hour of my commute to Fort Bragg. So. Yeah. Listen to David Sedaris. Such is life. Yes, I will. I will, will listen <laughs> to David Sedaris, even though sometimes when I have nightmares, he's, he's the voice that narrates them. His voice can, <laughs> it can be kind of scary sometimes. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So. All right. Well, Kim, thank you very, very much for uh, dropping by to do the interview. You'll be taking home as your prize the microphone into which I'm speaking to record your your reading of The Sinner Cannot Hold by Ellen Sachs. Um, your homework is to find out which British uh, 75-year-old, probably dead, in fact, white guy, um, originated that, that phrase, the center cannot hold, mm-hmm. or, or debunked the idea that, that it uh, originated therefrom. Okay. Oh, and, and the it, it's really the center cannot hold my journey through madness. Right. But yes. it's the full time. Right, right. The center cannot hold. Okay, well, uh, that's it for our interview this week. Uh, anything else you want to say? It's in a book, yo. It's in a book, yo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See you after the break. The Center Cannot Hold, My Journey Through Madness by Ellen R. Sachs. Prologue. It's 10 o'clock on a Friday night. I'm sitting with my two classmates in the Yale Law School library. They aren't too happy about being here. It's the weekend, after all. There are plenty of other fun things they could be doing. But I'm determined that we hold our small group meeting. We have a memo assignment. We have to do it. Have to finish it. Have to produce it. Have to. Wait a minute. No. Wait. Memos are visitations, I announce. They make certain points. The point is on your head. Have you ever killed anyone? My study partners look at me as if they or I have been splashed with ice water. That's a joke, right? Ask one. What are you talking about, Ellen? Asks another one. Oh, the usual heaven and hell. Who's what? What's who? Hey! I leap, leaping, I say, leaping out of my chair. Let's go out on the roof. I practically sprint to the nearest large window, climb through it, and step out onto the roof, followed a few moments later by my reluctant partners in crime. This is the real me, I announce, my arms waving about my head. Come to the Florida lemon tree. Come to the Florida sunshine bush, where they make lemons, where there are demons. Hey, what's the matter with you guys? You're frightening me, one blurts out. A few uncertain moments later, I'm going back inside, says another. They look scared. 
Have they seen a ghost or something? And hey, wait a minute. They're scrambling back through the window. Why are you going back in, I ask. But they're already inside, and I'm alone. A few minutes later, somewhat reluctantly, I climb back through the window, too. Once we're all seated around the table, I carefully stack my textbooks into a small tower, then rearrange my note pages. Then I re rearrange them again. I can see the problem, but I can't see its solution. This is very worrisome. I don't know if you're having the same experience of words jumping around the pages as I am, I say. I think someone's infiltrated my copies of the cases. We've got to case the joint. I don't believe in joints, but they do hold your body together. I glance up from my papers to see my two colleagues staring at me. I have to go, says one. Me too, says the other. They seem nervous as they hurriedly pack up their stuff and leave, with a vague promise about catching up later and working on the memo then. I had in the stacks until well after midnight, sitting on the floor muttering to myself. It grows quiet. The lights are being turned off. Frightened of being locked in, I finally scurry out, ducking through the shadowy library so as not to be seen by any security people. It's dark outside. I don't like the way it feels to walk back to my dorm. And once there, I can't sleep anyway. My head is too full of noise, too full of lemons and law memos and mass murders that I will be responsible for. I have to work. I cannot work. I cannot think. The next day I'm in a panic and hurry to Professor M, pleading for an extension. The memo materials have been infiltrated, I tell him. They're jumping around. I used to be good at the brawl jump because I'm tall. I fall. People put things in and then say it's my fault. I used to be God, but I got demoted. I begin to sing my little Florida juice jingle, twirling around his office, my arms thrust out like a bird's wings. Professor M looks up at me. I can't decipher what that look on his face means. Is he scared of me too? Can he be trusted? I'm concerned about you, Ellen, he says. Is he really? I have a little work to do here, then perhaps you could come and have dinner with me and my family. Could you do that? Of course, I'll say. I'll just be out on the roof until you're ready to go. He watches as I once again clamber out onto the roof. It seems like the right place to be. I find several feet of loose telephone wire out there and fashion myself a lovely belt. Then I discover a nice long nail, six inches or so, and slide it into my pocket. You never know when you might need protection. Of course, dinner at Professor M's does not go well. The details are too tedious. Suffice it to say that three hours later, I am in the emergency room of the Yale New Haven Hospital, surrendering my wire belt to a very nice attendant who claims to admire it. But no, I will not give up my special nail. I put my hand in my pocket, closing my fingers around the nail. People are trying to kill me, I explained to him. They've killed me many times today already. Be careful, it might spread to you. He just nods. When the doctor comes in, he brings back up another attendant. This one not so nice, with no interest in cajoling me or allowing me to keep my nail. And once he's pried it from my fingers, I'm done for. Seconds later, the doctor and his whole team of ER goons swoop down, grab me, lift me high out of my chair, and slam me down on a nearby bed with such force I see stars. Then they bind me, both my legs and my arms, to the metal bed with thick leather straps. A sound comes out of me that I've never heard before. Half groan, half scream, marginally human, and all terror. Then the sound comes out of me again. 
forced from somewhere deep inside my belly and scraping my throat raw. Moments later, I'm choking and gagging on some kind of bitter liquid that I try to lock my teeth against, but cannot. They make me swallow it. They make me. I've sweated through my share of nightmares, and this is not the first hospital I've been in, but this is the worst ever. Strapped down, unable to move, and doped up. I can feel myself slipping away. I'm finally powerless. Oh, look there on the other side of the door. Looking at me through the window. Who is that? Is that person real? I am like a bug impaled on a pin, wiggling helplessly while someone contemplates tearing my head off. Someone watching me, something watching me. It's been waiting for this moment for so many years, taunting me, sending me previews of what will happen. Always before, I've been able to fight back, to push it until it recedes. Not totally, but mostly, until it resembles nothing more than a malicious little speck off to the corner of my eye, camped near the edge of my peripheral vision. But now, with my arms and legs pinioned to a metal bed, my consciousness collapsing into a puddle, and no one paying attention to the alarms I've been trying to raise, there is finally nothing further to be done. Nothing I can do. There will be raging fires and hundreds, maybe thousands of people lying dead in the streets. And it will all, all of it, be my fault. Page 193 One of the worst aspects of schizophrenia is the profound isolation, the constant awareness that you're different, some sort of alien, not really human. Other people have flesh and bones and insides made of organs and healthy living tissue. You're only a machine, with insides made of metal. Medication and talk therapy ally this terrible feeling, but friendship can be as powerful as either. Stephen Bink was a first-year student with a boyish face, a head full of thick sandy hair, and a runner's body. We first talked in the law school cafeteria sometime in early, early November on one of those New England evenings when leaves are turning colors and you can taste fall in the crisp air. A large group of seven or eight of us sat down to dinner on a Friday. Steve and I were in contracts class together, and a couple of times he had asked me about an assignment. Other than that, we'd never really spoken. The dinner conversation that night was casual and pleasant, drifting from one subject to another. Classes and law journal and summer jobs. I noticed that Steve seemed engaged enough. He nodded. He smiled. But after a while, it began to look more like simple politeness. As the others got up to leave, I realized I wasn't ready to go just yet. And there began one of those conversations that last for a lifetime. One in which there is immediate comfort and acceptance, the equivalent of someone's strong hand offered to you when you most need to grasp it. Hey, guess what, folks? That is the end of yet another episode of It's in a Book. I am very, very happy that you tuned in this fortnight to listen to Cam and I discuss how to make this a better podcast and, of course, to uh, explore The Sinner Cannot Hold by Evelyn R. Sachs. 
speaking of exploring, Kim insisted that I point out that she was mortified that she mangled the title of David Sedaris's new book. It's actually let's explore diabetes with owl, owls. I believe. I believe it's something like that. I'm, I'm mangling it. Uh, much worse than she did, but she she insisted that I point out uh, that she uh, had made a mistake in the title here. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, Kim did not do her homework, so I did a quick search of the center cannot hold, and of course it's W B Yeats or or Yeats, uh, however you choose to pronounce that uh, name. I'm sure there's a correct pronunciation. Um who uh, is the originator of that phrase. In fact, it uh, is, is a line in a poem called uh, The Second Coming, I believe. So um, once again, uh, thanks for tagging along. And we will be back in a fortnight to explore a new book. Uh, hopefully by then we will track down the architect of Cafe de los Muertos and we'll have interviewed him and we can bring that podcast to you um we'll see you uh we'll see you soon almost forgot one additional note uh the phone call that you heard at the beginning of the podcast was actually the second time that i called kim that morning i'm still working on the technical aspects of recording phone calls so in addition to the fact that the audio was a bit rough as I uh, stated in the phone call, you may or may not have noticed it, I had called Kim and we'd had just the conversation that uh, I wanted to record, and yet I had failed to hit the record button, so you got the recreated conversation. So uh, we'll keep working on that. See you soon. Turning and turning in the widening gear, the falcon cannot hear the falconer. Things fall apart, the sinner cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. The blood-dimmed tide is loosed, and everywhere the ceremony of innocence is drowned. The best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of passionate intensity. Surely some revelation is at hand. Surely 
The second coming is at hand. The second coming. Hardly are those words out when a vast image out of spiritus mundi troubles my sight. A waste of desert sand. A shape with lion body and the head of a man. A gaze blank and pitiless as the sun is moving its slow thighs while all about it wind shadows of the indignant desert birds. The darkness drops again, but now I know that twenty centuries of t stony sleep were vexed to nightmare by a rocking cradle. And what rough beast, its hour come round at last, slouches toward Bethlehem to be born.